0: Welcome into the Wednesday Bible Study. We are thankful that you are here. We are currently walking through the book of Genesis. So if you are joining us uh, today uh, for the first time, just know that we're going to walk through the book of Genesis. And we have been rolling through this. I think we've pretty much done a chapter a week with one exception. I think maybe once or twice uh, we spread a chapter over two weeks. So we're somewhere Uh, around 28 weeks into this. Uh, so, so we've been at it, uh, today we'll be in Genesis 26, if you want to turn there and it gets a little bit lengthy. So I'll try to get us through 26 today. Uh, I think we can, uh, but we'll we'll work through that um, today on uh, on this edition of the Bible study. If you've missed some, you'd like to go back and find others, uh, you certainly can do that. Uh, just go to Burgess Ministries. That's my last name, Burgess, B-U-R-G-E-S-S, BurgessMinistries.com. If you click on Listen, you'll see our Wednesday Bible study there, and you'll see all the audio archives. Another option, uh, you can uh, go to the Rick and Bubba uh, website, rickandbubba.com, and go to the YouTube channel. Uh, Look for the men's Bible study archives there, and you can find them there as well. Uh, Another thing that you might want to try, we have at themanchurch.com, we have a brand new uh, app. It's a great resource. It's called Strive, S-T-R-I-V-E. If you haven't downloaded it yet, go get it. Uh, you have seven days to try it to see if you if you like it. You get uh, daily devotionals. They're changed every week. Okay, uh, we also give you articles. Uh, we 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 have uh, other uh, resources that you can look at. We all have some of these Bible studies we've done here available to you. We have other Bible studies and sermons from other teachers that we trust. Uh, there's a lot there. You you it will take you forever to go through all the information. But as you're growing spiritually, this is a great resource to have. If you decide you like it, it'll be nine ninety nine a month going forward, and you can find all that information. Uh, just go out there and search wherever wherever you buy apps or go to the manchurch.com. You'll see Strive right up there at the top. Uh, speaking of the Manchurch.com, uh, we have men going out all over uh, the, the country. Uh, when you hear me talking about a man church, what I mean by that is a service where men are gathering at churches that are doing the men's discipleship strategy from the Manchurch.com. Uh, it features two concepts: high challenge. That's these services, okay, where you go in and and, and you have a a message of challenge, uh, some praise and worship of the men getting together. Uh, You, the pastor or the the leader of your church, has a chance to access the men, uh, you know, four times a year. Uh, And then they leave these uh, services and they plug into one of our curriculum. That's the high equipping. Uh, so it, it, picture it like a clock, high challenge, high equipping. You can enter through a small group or you can enter through a man church. You may be thinking, is this going on somewhere where I could get involved? And the answer is yes. Go to com. look at events. Tomorrow night, if you're watching this or listening to it on the same week uh, that we're actually doing this Bible study, July the 14th, 2022, Three different man churches, three different cities, three different speakers. I'll be in Jasper, Alabama, speaking at the man church at Northside Baptist Church. They're doing the strategy. Uh, We also will be sending out Helmsy. He'll be going to Columbus, Mississippi, uh, First Baptist Church, Columbus. They're doing the strategy. He will be there doing their next man church on Thursday. Uh, And then over in Neshoba County, Mississippi, home of the Neshoba County Fair, uh, there at the Baptist Center in Philadelphia, Mississippi, Andrew Varvudas, part Cajun, part Greek. Uh, he'll be there, uh, and he'll be uh, talking to uh, the, the churches in that association. They've already done a year uh, of our strategy, and they'll be moving into year two. He'll be there talking to the entire association and plugging more churches in to the next curriculum. Uh, So you can find that at themanchurch.com under events. And then July 24th, uh, Kevin Derryberry will be in Warrior, Alabama. He'll be speaking to Crossroads Church, the men there, in year two of the strategy as well. Uh, If it's been booked... And we got it secure. You can find it at Manchurch.com under events. So you can go plug in and attend a man church near you and or get into one of the small groups or do both. Uh, let's open up in a word of prayer, and we'll jump right into Genesis 26. Lord, thank you for today. Uh, we have much to cover. Help us. Help me not to chase rabbits, uh, to be focused on what you intend for us to glean. I'm glad it is not depending on on me because of my flaws, but you, Lord, uh, your word is perfect. Uh, So may uh, you uh, speak directly and give me the power of the Holy Spirit to get it right. Uh, Also prepare our hearts to receive what you are teaching. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. So what are we teaching? You're going to hear some things in Genesis 26, men. Uh, who have been with us, and ladies who sometimes watch or, or listen to the archives, some of this is going to sound like I've am I'm, I'm. You know, I've forgotten what chapter I'm in, uh, and I'm repeating things we've already said. It's one of the things we're going to see today, and we're going to see it clearly, and that's the impact of a father on a son. Uh, because Isaac, uh, who is the son of the covenant, is going to be- behave a lot like his earthly father. Uh, you're going to see some things that are going to feel real, Familiar, but you're also going to see Isaac make some adjustments uh, that that shows that that his father learned from his mistakes uh, and taught those uh, things to his son. So when when we start off in verse one, um, you know th- this is going to be uh, I, I guess the best way to title uh, Genesis 26 is Isaac and Abraham parallel. Uh, That's exactly what it is. Notice this in verse 1, right out of the gate. Now there was a famine in the land uh, besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar, to uh, Abimelech, king of the Philistines. Now let's, let's be sure we understand what's going on here. Remember famine in Canaan? We had that back in chapter 12. Uh, and we know that uh, when, when uh, you know, Abraham got to Canaan uh, and there was famine, he panicked and went to Egypt. Do we remember this? Uh, so, so, and then we hear, here, here's Abimelech back in the mix. Now, it's impossible for this to be the same Abimelech that his father dealt with because there's been 100 years. Uh, so we, we, this is not the same person, but it is the same name. Um, it, it, it's not the same one that we saw in chapter 20. Uh, a century earlier. Abimelech means my father is king, so it's likely when you're dealing uh, with the, the Canaanites that if someone took over the throne, uh, they would be called Abimelech. It's almost like a title more than a name. So uh, we don't even know if this Abimelech is a grandson of the one that Abraham dealt with. Uh, just know that all that really means is he's dealing with the person in charge, uh, Okay. So, uh, so then look what happens in, uh, in the next verse. It says, And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Uh, and then we're going to go through five. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. For to you and to your offspring, I will give all these lands, underline lands there, The fact that that's plural is is going to be unique. And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. This is, of course, uh, Yahweh talking. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give uh, to your offspring all these lands. Again, underline lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because why? Underline this too. Because why? Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Well, there's a lot here. There's a lot we need to take away here. All right, so first of all, Yahweh uh, only appears to three people in Genesis. Uh, We're now seeing the second one. Uh, He appeared to Abraham, and of course we know Yahweh is God's name for Lord. I'm I'm the authority. I'm Lord. Uh, Yahweh appeared to Abraham. We know that. He's now appearing to Isaac. Here it is. We see it. And we'll see in the future he'll appear to Jacob, uh, but that's the only three people in Genesis that Yahweh ever actually appears to. And if you want to uh, write those down, if you're if you're making notes, I'll give them to you. Uh, you, you see this in uh, chapter twelve, verse seven. Chapter seventeen, verse one. Chapter eighteen, verse one. Uh, now, now we're going to see. It. We just we're going to see it here today. Chapter twenty-six, verse twenty-four. And we're looking to the future, you'll see him appear to Jacob in Genesis 35, verse 9. 12 7, 17 1, 18 1, 26 24, 35 9. In each case, these patriarchs receive God's blessing. Here, Yahweh he's he's prefaces. Now it's it's important. Pay attention. There's a there's little tiny word, a little tiny word in English that appears in the English translations of the Word of God, and really when it appears anywhere. I remember the first time, the first pastor that was discipling me as a new follower of Jesus, uh, I'm so thankful for this man, and he's the one who taught me this. He said, if is a little bitty word, but it's big. Little word, but when you see if in the Bible, be paying attention to what came before it and what comes after it. So this time Yahweh says, look, I'm going to bless you, but I, there, there, I, I'm, there's a preface here. My blessing comes with a, a, an instruction, and, and, and that serves as a condition for receiving the blessing, right? Let me preface. I'm going to bless you if I'm going to bless you under this consideration only. It means that I have an instruction, and I have a condition in order for you to receive the blessing. And and let's look at what that condition was. Go back and remember when we had famine in Canaan in chapter 12. This time Yahweh says to Isaac clearly, do not go to Egypt to escape the famine. I don't want you to do that. And it says uh, that's what your daddy did, and I don't want you to do that. Isaac's presence in the land is a sign of his trust in God's promise because we see what? He doesn't leave. So that, that remember, when you're reading this, think to yourself, I wonder if Isaac listened to God. Well, yeah, he did because it says he stayed. So, so that's the thing. It's one thing to hear from God because what, what, what did what, what do we hear from James in the New Testament? What do we hear all the time? It's one thing to hear the Word. It's one thing to hear God's instruction. But it's completely different to actually do it. you know. And then you see Jesus talking about in Matthew 7. What does he say? Anybody who hears my word and does them will be like the man who builds his house upon the rock. Anyone who hears my words and does not do them is like the man who builds his house on the sand. And what, what, what do we we always talk about in here? The beautiful thing about Jesus' analogy in Matthew 7 is often left out is the guy who heard and did— and the guy who heard and didn't, both houses got hit by a storm. It wasn't just the one that, that didn't do what Jesus said. And what he's saying is the storms are given. I'm just telling you how you're going to survive it. John 16, in this world you will face tribulation. Not you might, but have, take heart, have joy in your heart, be at peace because I've overcome the world. If you're right with me, it really doesn't matter what's coming. I'll see you through it. So, uh, So, again, he's saying... That I, you know, he may, you know, because Abraham wasn't supposed to leave Egypt either, but he did. So this time he's saying to Isaac, I don't want you to leave, leave Egypt. And the, fa- the fact that Isaac stays in the land, you see. Now, he says that he's going to give these lands to him and his descendants. He will be an alien, he tells him that. But notice the thing I told you to underline in verses three and four lands. Before, when he was talking to Abraham, he just said land. Now he's putting an S on it. Uh, Lands, meaning how about this? You're you're just not going to be in the land of the Canaanites. I'm also going to give you the Philistines too. So so you see God now. He's saying, look, this is going to be a little bigger uh, where I'm going to put you now. You see, because of things that have happened in modern day, what God actually gives them, they have given away part of it. And and, and and you you actually heard Netanyahu touch on that at one time. He says, Everybody keeps telling us to give away more. We've already given away really more of this belongs to us than we have right now. So we're being pretty gracious. Because actually what God gave them, they've they, they have more than they even have right now. And so this is this is when this was taking place. Isn't it cool to think about the history of this and then see where we are now? So um So this is going to be unique. Uh, You know, there's a lot of promises he made to the patriarchs of the Bible, but this is going to be unique because he's now saying, "I'm going to give you more than what I even said to Abraham. Lands. We're going. We're going. We're going to go bigger now. And then God's response to Isaac's obedience. We have a response. God says, you know, if you're obedient and you do what I say, I will be with you and I will bless you. Now, this is the first time that God promises to be with someone in Scripture. First time it ever happens. He's been saying about blessing. This time, and look at the foreshadowing. Does this excite you all at all? Is this kind of stuff that excites you? Who says that they'll be with us all the way to the end of the age? Jesus this this is God for the first time saying not only is your obedience going to get my blessing it's going to get my presence I won't leave you I'm going to be with you now that that gives me chills so you're going to see him repeat this later to Jacob but this is the first time that it happens God Himself now confirms to Isaac that he is the heir of the promise first sworn on the oath to Abraham. God lays it out in detail again. Do you like that? How do we learn? Repetition. Uh, I, I told you all the time that, uh, that I was learning as a husband uh, who is, is, is uh, blessed to have a wife that is so in love with Scripture and is so in love with our Redeemer and is so in love with the God that she serves, but at times that makes me lazy as a spiritual leader because I know that she has so much knowledge about Scripture, and I know that she loves the Lord, and I, that's not a question. And she's a great helper to me and a great teacher to me as, as God designed. But, uh, but I remember this vividly, and I'm thinking about this here. It really reminds me of this here, because when I started studying this, I'm like, do we have to get this whole list of this blessing again? And we're going to go to the offspring and the number of the offspring. We're going to hear all this again. And, and I thought about that moment because after we went through a, 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 an extreme difficult time with the earthly death of our youngest son, and there was a day, probably I can't remember the exact time frame, but it was a few months after it, and we'd seen so many things that God had done. There was so much comfort in watching him move and watching him saying, this this, this is not this is being used, and we'd seen this, we'd seen this, but we still were a mom and dad who had to bury one of our, our sons, and I, I came into the kitchen one day, and she was devastated. And, um, and she says, tell me again why this happened. And, of course, my first thought is this woman knows this forward and backward. I mean, of course, this was before she had written the book, and um, I said something that was not wise uh, because I w- I didn't I didn't catch it like I should have my discernment was off and uh, I did this. I said, well, you know these things. We've talked about this. We've talked about this over and over again and, I've, and I've, I've told you this and I've told you that and I've told you this. we've covered this ground And she looked at me I'll never forget I can still see the tears coming down her face and she said, well then tell me again. tell me again. I may, I may need this to be told to me for many times before the Lord returns or we die. Tell me again. How many times in your life have you clung to a promise that you already knew? You just needed to hear it again. and And so you see that happening here where God is telling now the, the, the son exactly what he told his daddy, which I know his daddy probably had already told him this, and, and he already knew this. But God is reminding him again, and four, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven. I will give to your offspring all these lands, and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. But Why? Here's the because. Right, dads, if you have children or you plan on having them, Please listen to this from God Almighty. Verse 5, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my laws, I'm going to bless you, his son. Why? Because your daddy did a good job. Can our sons and daughters say that about us? Can they count on God saying, by the way, your daddy lived his life? You're gonna be blessed because of the obedience of your daddy. Can we say that? Do, can our children count on that? Do they have that in their in their account, for lack of a better of analogy? I'm mean, I'm sitting pretty good with God just because of the way my daddy lived. Now it's got to be my faith. I got to do it, but I'm starting off in a good place because God is pleased with my daddy. So He's telling me, "You, hey, you act like your daddy." I'm going to bless you too. Or does, or does God have to come to our children and say, if you'll stop acting like your daddy, then I'll bless you. Because there's a lot of daddies that, that we, we have to be generation breakers. It's heartbreaking, but don't let it stop you. You may have to be the one that starts it, and that's all right. I mean, I wish it wasn't that way, but you may have to be. I have to talk to men about this all the time. They think they're doomed because their daddy's no good. Or is already dead and wasn't any good, and I said, "No, this is, you can be. Let your you start it. You be that generation breaker. We've had to have that, right? We some of us have had to do that, and 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 so whatever it is, see this in your situation, however it should be uh, uh, applied. So uh, Isaac's obedience is pointed out. He did not go uh, to Egypt, but uh, but now we we kind of move on uh, with with six. That, that's all that says you know what six is tell us look verse six so Isaac settled in Gerar. that means I didn't leave and and Moses wants us to know that he listened to God he stayed he didn't run to Egypt okay so what happens next it just kind of kind of blows our mind a little bit doesn't it um so now we we see that this thing happens that I personally can't first time I I, I studied this in scripture I'm like what is he doing here goes Isaac about to you, you get fired up that he's supposed to you know he's supposed to repeat the obedience of his daddy but now he's about to repeat a mistake of his daddy and 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 that's the tough part about daddies isn't it is that influence it, it, can, it can go either way y'all have heard me preach that for how many years our influence can't be turned off so it's either a detriment or it's a blessing uh and so it says so when when the man of the place talking about where he was, Asked him about his wife. He's got Rebecca, of course. He said she is my sister, for he feared to say my wife, thinking lest the men of the of the place shall kill me because of Rebecca, because she was attractive in appearance. Well, here we go. Um I really can't believe it. I mean I'm and there there have as a matter of fact, it's so difficult to go this can't be happening again that scholars, did you know they have debated? Scholars have had great debate over the fact that we got Abraham doing this twice and we got Isaac doing it once. Some of them have said, do you think, Moses, this is all one account, and we somewhere along the way we got confused and we're acting like this happened multiple times? But then when you see the differences here, scholars we would trust, theologians we would trust come back and say, well, it can't be the same account because there's actually details that are different. So it's not the same account, but just know that 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 we stand back sometimes. But I would say this to you guys, and I'm just going to say me because you may not be like me. I hope you're not. I hope y'all I hope y'all better men than me. But I can look at my own life, and I can't believe some of the sins I keep repeating. <laughs> and I can just see God going, "How are we here again? How many times you have we been through this?" How many you know even the apostle Paul in Romans 7 he's like I that, I know what to do and sometimes I still don't do it and I know what not to do so I don't really think to me the sinner that has been saved by God's grace grace and God's grace alone through my faith in him cuz I couldn't save me I certainly can't change me only only God can change me and he will but I'll say in the process of sanctification there's been things that that I have moved on from that I don't go back to, but there's these certain things like attitudes and and, and things. I mean, even just like last night, going to this uh, and this. I know this thing. You think well these things are not major, but they still matter. I mean, we're we're going last night to this thing, and Sherry knows I get aggravated about going to events and parking. I'm really not a huge fan of going to events, just to be honest. I don't really enjoy the experience of the crowds and the the parking and the mania. And and I and I and I get it. I get sometimes I get eel about it. I don't I don't like it. And and Sherry, I mean, we're going to the car, and she's like, uh, "I'm driving," and I'm like, "Because well, I don't want you to get down there around the event. Can't find parking. And I I know I know you're going to elevate, and you're going to have a bad attitude about it. And 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 I'm like, I can't believe that you that you think that about me. So then when we couldn't find parking, guess what happens? I'm standing outside the car, and Sherry goes, "Well, here we go again." And, and you know, and you know what I said. I said I'm not going to have a bad attitude about that. And then did. So, so I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't find it that hard to believe that a man would make the same mistake more than one time, even on something as big as lied about your wife, and 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 caring about yourself more than her. You realize every time Abraham did this, and now when Isaac does this, what's going to happen to their wives? All they're saying is, well, at least it didn't happen to me. I'm protecting myself versus protecting my wife. So in this case, though, which is one of the reasons why we know this is in the same account again, she's not even taken by the men this time, and Sarah was. So so that's one of the things they showed that was was different about this. And look what happened. And here's one of the things that was different, okay? When... um, uh, when, when he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of the window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. So Abimelech, verse 9, called Isaac and said, Behold, she's your wife. How then could you say she's my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I thought lest I die because of her. And Abimelech said, What is this you've done to us? One of the people might have easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, "Whoever touches this man or his wife, uh, shall surely be put to death." So this is one of the things that shows us it's not the same account. Uh, Abimelech looks out there. You know, he says he sure is really chummy with his sister. They're out there laughing, and he's you know caressing her, and and seems to. This is not a sister brother relationship. He knows it. He said, "Hey, you've lied to us," and so that didn't happen in Abraham's account. So we know that. Uh, uh, that that isn't it. Uh, so he um, he said uh, that that he looks at the relationship. Uh, uh, so that doesn't that that right there just tells us it's not the same. She wasn't taken into the harem. We know that wasn't the same. Uh, and we don't we know the king observing the relationship and doesn't buy the story. That also isn't the same. But you know what we do see that unfortunately is the same, and you're going to see this throughout this family this generational stuff, there's a a dishonesty and a trickery with this bunch. Um, He did learn to try to pull this little trickery and to see if he couldn't put himself in a better position from his daddy, and you're going to see that his children got a little strain of that going too when we get to the brothers and pick up that again with Esau and Jacob. So um, Rebecca – We'll, we'll we'll you know we'll see that um, that uh, you know she has um, uh, shown some trickery we'll see that coming up Jacob uh, of course uh, tries to dupe Isaac himself uh, uncle Laban will hoodwink Jacob Jacob will be tricked by um, um, by his son concerning uh, 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 Joseph when his sons come in and lie to him and tell him something happened to him remember that that's trickery uh, Simeon and Levi, uh, also from the same family, they duped the men of, uh, of Shechem. Uh, Judah, another one out of this family, uh, Judah's daughter-in-law dupes him. So, I mean, you see a generational sin that is coming from these parents, and I guess for us we look at this and say, do we see these generational sins rolling through our family that that need to be corrected? Uh, this was something that plagued this family for a long time, this, this deceitfulness of not being completely honest and trying to trick people into manipulating people to get their own way. So he, he does deceive Abimelech. He lies. Um, there, the, there's no indication this time, too, another thing that's different is that Rebecca isn't in on the lie. Um, and, and then I, this is one thing that we have to understand. Isaac makes it very clear to Abimelech why he lied. He said, because I'm afraid. I'm afraid of the Philistines. So there's also a bigotry that he has with him as well that he just assumes they're bad and they're going to do bad things to him. He didn't give him the benefit of the doubt, uh, which Abimelech, Abimelech takes on. But remember, where does a lot of our sin come from? Fear. Why did you do this? I was afraid. And what does that show? That shows a lack of trust in God. Somehow, Jacob has heard all these wonderful things from God, but the minute that he that he's in peril and thinks the Philistines may be bad to him and his wife, he bails on his wife, tries to protect himself. Where's the trust in God here? Does he all of a sudden think God's just going to abandon him and and the Philistines are just going to run roughshod over God and come take him and hurt him? Apparently. And, and, and he admits that, um, and, uh, and he says, I, I just thought y'all would see Rebecca think she was fine and kill me to take her. This mirrors Abraham, who said uh, the same thing. Uh, now, there's no doubt. I, I want to help out Isaac a little bit here. There is no doubt that the Philistines were to be feared. <laughs> they're, they're malicious people. But still, when it comes to – it's not like it was totally unfounded but but when you get into trust and, and fear and being deceitful, uh, that's the part that's that's troubling. Is that he doubted that he, no matter how bad these people are, that somehow God wasn't with him when God said He would be with him. And and we can take that away. Um, and and I think that that Abimelech must have also heard that this uh, was was a family trait because he seems not to, he seems to to know to be suspect you find that interesting? Why do you think he started observing the relationship? This is Abraham's son. He's telling me this woman's not his wife. She's pretty. This sounds awful familiar from stories I've heard for generations about Abraham. You don't think the people who had dealt with Abraham and Canaan, the good things they said about Abraham, you don't think they said the bad too? Let me tell you something now. He tells you something. This bunch? If they say that some fine-looking woman with them is not their wife, you might want to check on it. And so Abimelech watches him, and what does he say? This doesn't look like brothers and sisters. I think I'm being lied to. And he was right. So um, so you, I, you, you wonder how many times. I, I, I think this is one of those things I know for myself when I was redeemed. There were all kinds of people out there that heard all kinds of stories uh, that it took me a long, long time to establish any kind of integrity as a man of God. Because people say, well, no, look, I'll tell you some things I know. You might want to watch him. And you know what? For a while that was fair. Uh but uh, but but the lack of faith in, in God protecting him is where he kind of gets himself in trouble. So um he uh he also is outraged, Abimelech is, he says, uh, in, in verse nine, uh when, when he tells him he feared for his for his life, uh really what, what he is you know he was trying to be sure and be real careful here. Um, he, he's saying he feared for his life, but he's being smart here. If you look at the original Hebrew, he's being very careful to not say, I was afraid y'all would murder me. Because if he, if he makes an accusation that they're a bunch of murderers, this could really go south. Because in those days, of course, that called for, for something to be done uh, and to be accusing them of being murderers. So um, so Abimelech uh, is, is concerned that one of the men, he says, when you do something this reckless, he goes, what if one of the men here had raped your, your wife? That could have happened by you putting her in this position. This is Abimelech talking about it. And he said, that would have brought guilt on us, which then he goes next. what? And I think this is another thing. Not only does he know you might want to check on when they say that this is their sister, this family, he also knows what? I have a knowledge that Yahweh is with them. And the reason why I'm really upset about this is I know the God they serve, he would deal with us harshly if we had done anything to this woman. And you put us in a position that could have put us in a bad position with the God that you serve that we know, which is why he comes out, what and he? he? says to all the people, whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. I don't want trouble with the God he serves, which shows there's knowledge of God too uh, that comes from this. So, um, so he he is um, his fear of God here in verse 11 uh, is evident and, and something uh, that we don't need to miss. Uh, he says Isaac himself is is with this God, and uh, and I believe in this particular case, and you saw this with Abraham too, and I had one of the guys in the Bible study bring it up to me after we talked about it, and he's right, and here it is again, and this is the thing we got to— those of us that are, are members of the church— I'm talking about the church universal, those of us that claim to be followers of Christ. Let's be sure that we live like we believe in the God we claim to serve more than people who who don't even believe in him. In this particular case, Abimelech looks like he believes in God more than Isaac does because Abimelech believes God will protect him, but Isaac doesn't. So here's a pagan that that is fearing God that the more than Isaac who claims to be with him. And 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 so what we have to ask ourselves is do we ever is that ever us? That do we find ourselves that people that, that that don't know God as well as we do fear him more than we do? And uh and that's what you see. So that's kind of how this narrative ends. And then next back to this mirroring of Abraham, we get in a bunch of conflicts over these wells now. So so we move into Isaac settling in, look at 12. And Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. So God does bless him. The Lord blessed him. There it is, 13. And the man uh, became rich and gained more and more until he became very, very wealthy. So God is blessing Isaac, 14. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines envied him. So he became so wealthy, the Philistines are saying, look, this is really upsetting us we we don't like how wealthy you are and let me I got news for you you're going to see this in a minute your daddy was he he was a so he was an alien here and so are you and yeah we made some deals with your daddy but all this blessing and all this wealth that we see we're so upset about it we're going to come in here and start we're going to start taking back these wells because really they're ours but that wasn't the deal that Abraham made right Abraham he was supposed to be I've got the approval. I know I'm an alien here, but these are my whales. Well, the Philistines say no. And so what's the main reason that they hate him for, that God's blessing him? Got any Philistines in here? Any Philistines out there? Is there a Philistine sitting here? Instead of looking at someone and saying, man, look at God bless that person, we think to ourselves, i tell you what, I can't stand how well things are going for that person. I mean, can you can't even be happy for other people? You know, when you see someone that God is really blessing, is your attitude is praise the God that is showing himself in that person's life? Or is it, I can't stand that person and that blessing ought to be mine? Now we sound a little more like uh like, like the deceivers, don't we? And we sound an awful lot more like a Philistine. And then what do we start doing, which God told us not to do? Don't you covet what they have now. Because when you're coveting it, really what you're saying is I'd like to go take it. And if I could take it, I would. And so so Isaac runs into trouble with the Philistines now in 15. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled uh, with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. This is the deal. They would rather it be destroyed than him have it. What about that attitude? You, You ever had people just say, look, I know I can't have it. I just don't want you to have it. And so, uh, and so and so and Abimelech said to, to Isaac, "Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we." Now Abimelech tells you what his motivation is. I don't know if I like this. You're you're becoming really powerful, really wealthy. You might use that against me. You know that's you, you see that with with dictators. They really don't like something to start feeling. You see it all over the world. China is a good example. The church is free to do what they want to do as long as they don't cause trouble. But every time the evil dictators of China see the church if it starts growing, they almost have an alarm that goes off. When it grows to a certain level, then they show up and bulldoze everything down, cover everything up, and break it back down to zero and say, "Now start over." Y'all can be here, but we didn't like how we don't like how how many people you're evangelizing. Your numbers are getting a, uh, getting a little uncomfortable to us. Churches are starting. I don't like all these crosses. Uh, it's starting to make us uncomfortable, so they just come in and destroy it. And and, uh, and so you know what where that comes from, by the way? No matter how much the church says to evil governments, yeah, look, we're going to live here as good citizens as long as y'all don't put us in a corner and ask us to blaspheme the God that we serve. We'll pay our taxes. We'll do what needs to be done. We'll be good citizens. But deep down, you know what drives it? Yeah, but you haven't sworn your allegiance to us. Your allegiance is to God. You think he's the ultimate power, and we say we are. And we don't like that attitude. And that's why eventually, when an evil regime takes over any country, eventually they go get the church because they know the allegiance of the church isn't to them. So uh, so anyway, and by the way, look around. So, um, so don't, hey, let me tell all of you members of the church, this whole thing about Roe v. Wade being turned over, you're to blame for that. That's what you're hearing right now, right? It's not the Constitution. Really, if, it, if the church didn't have all the stuff they had about this, we wouldn't be in this situation. So they're not mad at the – I mean, there's some that are mad at the Constitution, but what are they going out and trying to, uh, to tarnish and tear up and break? Churches. Are these pregnancy centers that are run by churches? They, they deem the church to be the problem. And you saw, we've seen it happen in, in some of our bigger cities – what, what we're reading right now and what we call the Word of God is going to be deemed hate speech because the way it sees marriage, the way it sees gender, the way it seems, sees life, it's very unpopular. And sooner or later, and it's already happening, but it's going to escalate. i tell you who would fix this. i tell you how we could fix this society the way we want it to be. I'm, sp- I'm speaking of the lost. We've got to get rid of them. They're the problem. And that has happened throughout history. And if you think it won't happen here, you're delusional. And God sometimes allows that to happen. Why? To refine us. The church always thrives, always, under persecution. Do you know where the church usually fails and becomes ineffective? During times of an easy ride. We become apathetic for some reason. We just can't handle it. We can't handle success because then we start thinking we did it. And God has to come back and go. Well, I guess I'm gonna have to find out who's with me again, with, with refinement and a test. And I got to purge some of these people. It's become too easy to be part of my church, and we're not taking sin serious anymore. So I got to refine it. And He will. So Isaac departed from there, and he encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again. Now, see, Isaac's moving. He said, "Look, if, I, if it's going to be trouble, I'll go do more, uh, dig some more wells." And he dug in the days, the same place as he dug in the days of his daddy. And when the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham, meaning we we, we had peace, I'm going to go there, where dad had peace and I'm going to dig some more wells, he gave them the names that his father had given them. I'm going to dig them again, 19. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of spring water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, This water is ours. So he called it the, the name of the well, a sec and I'll tell you what that means because they contended with him then they dug another well and they quarreled over that also so he called that one Stana. I mean Sitha, and he moved from there and dug another well and they and, and and they did not quarrel over it so he called it the name uh, Rehoboth saying for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land so Isaac is um is is on, the only one of the uh the of Israel's patriarchs that uh, is depicted as cultivating grain. Uh, he was doing quite well due to God's blessing. Uh, so then we have the jealousy uh, that, that happened. And, and isn't it funny? He thought they were going to be jealous of his wife, and they didn't care about that. They were jealous of the whales. So he was right about the jealousy. He just had the wrong source of it. So the Philistines are really upset about these whales. They're upset about his wealth. Uh, they vandalized uh, the whales. Uh, They reminded him that Abraham was an alien. I told you that. Uh, And, of course, um, they they probably, the Philistines, because of the way they operated, they probably saw Abraham's death as the end of the contract. Your daddy ain't around here no more. Don't tell us about what deal we made with your daddy. He's gone. Now, of course, that should have gone to Isaac as well, and that was the deal. But, of course, I, I have a friend of mine that says, look, I love you, buddy, but good contracts make good friends. You know, always have it in writing. So I, I don't know that he did or he didn't, but they're coming back and they're saying we're going to go back on the deal. And uh, so he just kept moving. Now the first time he moved, he didn't go that far from where he was, and that wasn't far enough. Uh, and then uh, he he um, he might he may have thought about I'm going to you know if I just move a little while they'll leave me alone. But then he takes these names his daddy had used for the wells. I think he's trying to assert ownership there. What it sounds like, he's trying to remind them remember these names. These are the wells my daddy dug, and that was all good. So that doesn't work. Uh, and then um, you you see the they they, they start digging even, uh, newer wells in 19 through 21. And what and the, and if you notice one of them is an artesian well. That means they found a constant flow of water. Well, that really upset everybody. Now you found an artesian well. Now we're really mad. And so they come in and and they're arguing. Uh, the, the that's what that he said in verse 20 he said i'm naming this a sec e-s e k that means argument 21 a sitnah that means hostility and then 22 uh when he when he uh when he finally gets far enough away that the philistines back off uh, he names that Rehoboth, which means open space so have you thought about this why did why is god moving you i mean god's sovereign right you think God couldn't say, y'all leave, y'all leave him alone, I'm going to leave him right here." Really he's using, once again, he's using difficulty to get Isaac where he actually wants him. Isaac was going and where he wanted to go, but God said that's not that you're, you once again are underestimating me. you know what God's saying? I need more room. I'm giving you the lands. You're staying in these tiny little places. I don't want you here. That's not enough room for all the offspring I'm going to give you. It's not enough room for all the blessings I'm going to give you. I want to get you to where I got more room so you can be more fruitful. So God uses this. You think he's not right where God wanted him to be? He's used the Philistines to move. Go back to the New Testament. Look at at this foreshadowing again. How does Jesus finally get his church to leave Jerusalem and go into Judea and to Samaria and and, and to the ends of the earth? How does he finally get them to do it? By allowing the Apostle Paul, the future Apostle Paul, allowing him to persecute them to the level they run. But the whole, it says this clearly uh, in Acts chapter 8. He'd already said that I want you to, be in Jerusalem. I want you to be in Samaria. I want you to be in Judea. I want you to be to to the ends of the earth. And they hadn't done it. They all stayed in Jerusalem. And so, what happens when when Paul cranks up the persecution after stoning Stephen? He scattered them. Where did he scatter them to? Exactly where Jesus told him to go. So, uh, so a lot of if you keep trying to stay somewhere God doesn't want you to stay, He'll move you. Uh, so, so look what happens. He had already told. Isaac, what he was going to do, and I love this. The takeaway that we need on application is when God has clearly told you something's going to happen, like these scriptures, prepare for it. I told you this was going to happen. Man, I don't know what's going on with this world. What do you mean you don't know what's going on with this world? I was clear about this. This thing's going away. I'll tell you what, I don't know what's happening out there. God's like, what do you mean you don't know what's happening? Everything I said was going to happen is happening. You didn't prepare for this? Jesus says to the disciples, deny yourself, pick up your cross daily. Jesus says to the disciples, people are going to hate you. I'm putting you out in the world as sheep are thrown out into the wolves. And then we look and we're sheep with wolves and we say, what's going on? How'd this happen? And Jesus is like, I told you about this. Why do people hate us? I told you they were gonna—they hated me first. They don't hate you; they hate me. You know, everybody's okay with Jesus till you actually start telling them who he really is and what he really said. And then they're like, yeah, "He's not a many ways to heaven guy, huh?" No, he's not. He's very exclusive. Now he says anyone can come, but you ain't gonna come to the Father any other way except through him. See, that's not very hippie-like, is it? That's not do your own thing. Do whatever you want to do. You know, well, we all just need to get along. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus didn't say the ultimate goal of my disciples is to be liked. He didn't say that. He even said, he said, don't think I bring I bring peace. I bring a sword. Now, I'll give you spiritual peace, but I think some of y'all think that I said I was bringing peace to the, to, to the society. I'm not bringing peace to society. I'm dividing it up and turning uh, families against each other. I, your whole household may be against you, Jesus said, if you decide to follow me. And then your household's against you, and you go, what's going on? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. You be, you're devoted to Jesus, and they're not. So they don't like you. And they say if you'll be less devoted, then you can have a relationship with them, and then you got to decide. And so, but this is all stuff we've been told. Now, if you don't read this Bible. And we don't study this, you may not know what's going on. But 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 when God says something in this book, it's going to happen. And then he's also letting you see things that have already happened so that you understand his character. So if somebody says God's in something, what should we be able to do? Is that his character? And if it is, okay. But if he's not, it's, I don't think that's God's character. Why? Well, I know it. He, he told me what it was. He, he gave me his inspired word. We have it all. So now Isaac has finally gotten to where he's supposed to be, and, and we are getting a little long on time, so I'll try to see if I can't land this now. Okay. So he gets to where he's going to be, and he's going to be fruitful in the land, 23. From there he went up to, to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him. See, that's that 24 I told you about. Yahweh appears to him. That same night, and he says, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and will multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So why is God doing it for Isaac? Because he told Abraham he would. So he built uh, an altar there, and he called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants dug a well. I love this. Because this is the thing. I can't tell you how many times I've said as a dad, why do my children seem to only be getting from me the things that are bad about me? Are they ever going to show that they got something good from me? Well, here's Isaac saying, I learned this from my daddy. When the Lord has has appeared to me and the Lord has blessed me, I'm going to do just like my daddy, and I'm going to build an altar to the one and only living God, and I'm going to praise him. I learned that too from my daddy. So none of us perfect. Abraham wasn't perfect. But the the question is, are our children reflecting the part of us that is devoted to Christ? We all got flaws, but overall, do they look at us and say, my daddy's faith was real? Isaac's answer to that question is yes. I will do just what my daddy did, and he built an altar in a situation like this, and I'm going to pitch my tent here, I'm going to build the altar here, and we're going to worship the Lord just like my daddy did. So let's hope and pray that our children do have those things that they have learned from us that is actually the way it should be done. In this case, we see it. When Abimelech went to, to him from Gerar, he brings, he brings these, uh, these three guys with him. One's an, an, uh, an advisor, and the other is the commander of his army. Isaac said to them, "Where have you? Why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me and you have sent me away from you?" Isaac saying, "Last time I saw you, you telling me to leave. What are you doing, showing up here now?" And they said, "We see plainly." Oh, let's underline that, men. We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. I love this in Acts chapter four. Is it? We got we got two new we got a new Peter and we got a new John. Before they would tell people they weren't with Jesus when they got scared. When they received the Holy Spirit, it says when they healed the lame guy and everybody said now nah, uh, and whose name did y'all do this? It says I love this part in chapter four. It is four right and and it says they looked at Peter and John the two that had run from Jesus and start telling people we're not with him because they were afraid, now in Acts chapter 4, after they have been reconciled to Jesus and after they received the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 4 says, and they recognized that they were with Jesus. And you know what? They didn't deny Jesus anymore. They didn't do everything perfect, but as far as denying Jesus, they didn't do that anymore. They are different men after the Holy Spirit. And in this case... I love that these enemies of Abraham and Isaac, they come over, and what they're about to do is try to get back in good terms with him. Why? Do people say this about you? We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. Do they say that about us? Hey, I want to come over and talk to you about your faith. Why is that? Because I see plainly. That the Lord has changed you. I see plainly that the Lord is with you. I want to know how you live the way you do, because it's obvious there's something there and it's and and it must be this God you talk about, because I see that you're not like everybody else. We plainly see it. I'd underline plainly too. We don't just kind of see it, we plainly see it. So we said, let it be sworn. Let there be a sworn pact between us between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have done you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace, so you are now blessed by the Lord. Hey, Abimelech, I gotta give you props for this. What's what's the great salesman do? We go ahead and tell you something's happening, even if it didn't. Now you know we've been good to you. Uh it's not like we've been bad to you. Uh yeah, other than you you know, tearing up all my whales and telling me to leave and running me off into the middle of nowhere. Other than that, yeah, I guess you've been pretty good to me. But here's Abimelech, you know what he's doing? He's really wanting to remember that he didn't do anything to Rebecca, but he wants to leave out all the things he actually did do and they did do. Abimelech would he he was good to Isaac on the Rebecca thing, but on the well thing, he wasn't good to him at all. But Abimelech wants Isaac to say, hey, you know, you what do you do? He's trying to get the narrative he wants Isaac to have. Now, you know, look, we're going to be good to you. You've been you be good to us. You know, just like we've been good to you. And I know somewhere Isaac's like, what? But you know what, Isaac? You know he he said, you know what he's doing, which I like. He said, if you want to reconcile, we'll reconcile. Okay, and uh, and and verse thirty. So he made them a feast. Right there shows you underline that And in, in tradition there. If he makes a feast. He's accepting the covenant. That's a sign of that. So you know what we learned from Isaac here? If people come back and apologize to you, even if it's not a very good apology, rather than being at conflict with them, if they, if they come to you and say, let's make it right, make it right. Make it right. It doesn't mean what they did to you is okay, but you make it right. And, and so Isaac does. And, and they ate and they drank. In the morning, they rose early and exchanged oaths. And Isaac sent them on their way, and they departed from him in peace. That same day, Isaac's servants came and told him about the well they had dug, and said to him, "We have found water." And of course, he he came up with a name for for that too. Uh, it sounds like the Hebrew word for oath, meaning the oath that just happened. As soon as the oath happened, they found water. So so Shabbah is is the Hebrew word for for an oath. Therefore, the name of the city. Is Bathsheba to this day, and I love that. Now we're we're running out of time, so I I want to quickly hit you uh, hit you with a few things uh, that that I want you to take away before uh, we leave, um, and and follow with with what's happened with Esau right here, because I know it seems to kind of come out of nowhere, uh, and and we're like, why in the world are we getting this last little thing here about about Esau? Uh, it's important, though, because it's going to come into play going forward in verse 34 and 35. So we see that, that Isaac has made peace with the Philistines. We see Isaac now acting about the good side of his father. He's 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 doing the things that he needed to do. He, he's built the altar. He's calling uh, God Yahweh, that he is the Lord. All that's happened. We now have peace. He's found water. He's made an oath with the Philistines. And then all of a sudden Moses just says in 34, when Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of uh, of Barry, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basmath, the daughter of Alon, the Hittite, and and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. What? Where in the world? Where is this coming from? Everything's good, going well. Got it all worked out with the Philistines. You see the mirror of Isaac and Abraham. Got it. Oh, by the way, Esau decided to go marry a bunch of Hittites, and that's not going to be good. So what, what he's saying is that Esau has taken wives that will cause strife between he, Isaac, and Rebekah. Why? Well, some of the why's here, it could be as we see throughout Scripture, what do we see? Make a note, men who are not married yet. Make a note, men who have sons and daughters that will be married. Could it be this thing as old as time that we see throughout Scripture I marry a couple of Hittites, and guess what? Um, They cause me to drift toward pagan gods and away from the one and only living God. And we know that this is probably right because we see that Moses tells us what? That Esau despised his birthright and was indifferent to maintaining the family's faith in the God of Abraham, right? That's Esau's personality. So what you're seeing here is Moses saying, "Oh, by the way, you know we got trouble with Esau, and we got trouble coming, and I, I want I want to let you know that we're going to have trouble uh, because when he marries these Hittite people, it's going to be a move that's going to plague him and his family for a long time to come. It's almost like a warning we get from Moses about Esau. Hey, let's start talking about Esau." But I want you to know the kind of person Esau is, and this—you know why you see this in Scripture so much—is God is reminding us that we can look at these these twins all we want to, and say, "Well, I don't like this thing of you know God hated Esau and and da, da da da, and God went to the younger one and didn't go with the older one." What what Moses is trying to tell us, inspired by God, God picked the right person. He didn't trust Esau. And, 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 and the Scripture will say, and we want to show you why Esau couldn't be trusted. And the question that we might take away from this last Esau thing as we close, can God trust us? Have we made the kind of decisions that goes, no, I'm going to tell you what, that's going to haunt people. That's going to be a bad decision. That decision is going to drift you away from God. It's not going to pull you to him. Can God trust you? Can God trust me? What kind of legacy are we leaving? Are we generation breakers? Do we need to look to our daddies who did things right and remember the way they served God? Or do we need to look to the the children that we have or that might be coming and say, I have to change the way things were done, but I'm going to be the kind of daddy that you can emulate. Even with my flaws, you'll see my devotion to God. And that I want you to get. Or are we more like Esau and God says, I got to go with somebody else. You can't be trusted. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the message. Thank you for all we learned from this today. There was so much to take in, Lord. Uh, help us to apply it not be overwhelmed by it. Be with these men that are in the room, Lord. Your hand be upon them. Be with those that are watching and listening all over the world, Lord. And may you pierce their heart. If you're listening and watching this or you're a man in this room and you you need some help, you need to talk to me, uh, You know I can be reached. Uh, Rick at com, or you always can call if you're in the room and say, hey, I need to take some time with you. Uh, we're here to walk with you. Uh, we're, we're just a bunch of broken people that are showing you where the food is, where the water is, and where the help is. And that's in the loving arms of the one and only living God. And in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being with us. Amen.